good morning, Crossroads. And those of you who are online, we welcome you this morning. And I am praying that you're being drawn to the Christ and inspired to a fuller relationship with him, that you will embrace his promises of future and hope, of life to the full, and a purpose of present and eternal consequence. Church, this morning, he is calling us not just to his story, but to his mission. Church, say, it's time. Church, say, it's time to put him on. Amen. I want to acknowledge the worship team. First, the kids doing some Kirk Franklin awesome God. Amen. And moving us, the worship team, to acknowledge God the Father. We belong to him, and he comes running after us. He runs after us to build us up, to equip us, all for the journey of heaven. And he builds us up because his desire is to use us for his glory and for the rescue of all of creation. And so, Abba, Father, we give you praise. We give you glory and honor that you would pour out your love and your presence on us that we might be whole and able to be a part of your story. We thank you. We ask forgiveness for our sins. We give you praise, glory, and honor. We invite your spirit into this place and pray that you're glorified in the midst of us. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Walter Charles, and I am usually with this worship team. But I want to thank Pastor Lowell for the confidence he has in me today to pull me up and say, it's time. So thank you, Pastor Lowell, for that. I appreciate it. And I pray that this is an opportunity where you really feel equipped. But there's a couple of things I want to get out of the way right away. I won't go on and on about myself. And so if you want to know some things, I encourage you to check out IamWalterCharlesHearMeRoar.com. That site does not really exist, y'all. I'm just messing. But I have been off and on a part of the Crossroads family for some time. And after we're finished here, there may be some more time that passes before I get to do this again. So I hope with me you guys will go the distance. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, help him. Thank you. Father, again, we give you praise. We welcome you. We pray that this would be your voice, your words spoken, that all of our hearts would hear it and receive it, and that we would be transformed and compelled into your mission as a result of it. And so we welcome you, and we thank you, and we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. In Matthew 16, when Jesus asked the disciples the question, Who do men say I am? And then he asked, Who do you say I am? Jesus could very well be foreshadowing the question that he has for the church of 2019. He could be asking, we who confess him as the Christ, the son of the living God, who do men say that you are, church? He could be asking us to take a moment and look at ourselves and ask, who do we say, church, that we are? And if we gave that Sunday school answer, you know, when the class leader asks the question and there doesn't seem to be quite an answer and someone boldly goes with always the right answer, Jesus, right? The Christ could very well say, are you? 
Are you a reflection of me? Do they know you by your love? Is your love that reflection of my love? Do they know you are by your response to my spirit? Do they know you are because you are a light not hidden under a bushel and not ashamed to live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do they know me because they know you? Words from Pastor Tony Evans really stir my thoughts as I reflect on past and current times, particularly within the body of Christ. Tony Evans says this, in the Bible, when people came to Jesus Christ and were serious about following him, when they became people of the kingdom, there was no question about who they were. These early disciples became known even among unbelievers as people of the way because they had chosen to walk a different path in life. They had identified themselves totally with Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. They lived for the kingdom. Their identity was tied to the kingdom. Their faith was not just an addition to their portfolio. And when they were asked who they were, inevitably, the name of Jesus entered the conversation. We, the people of Jesus Christ, have an incredible opportunity to impact the narrative of who do men say we are. Even more, who does the Christ say we are? I think about the three words that Pastor Lowell presented to us for Crossroads in 2019. Hope, passion, and victory. And I found myself stirred to more questions, not just for the institution of church, but for we, the members who compose her. What are we hoping for? Are our hopes in line with the Christ? What are we offering as hope? To whom are we offering hope? Why them and not the other? What are we passionately pursuing? And by what standard, whose standard are we measuring victory? I would offer to you this morning that the answers to those questions and our ability to impact the narrative of who do men say we are lies in our stepping like never before into the identity in Jesus Christ. We live in an age of movies, theater, Netflix, Hulu, and we have arguably, and I do say arguably, witness some of the finest method acting of stage and screen. Method acting is a technique used by actors intent on seeing themselves diminish and being so immersed in the emotional, physical, psychological identities of the characters they are playing that for just a moment, the audience's recognition of who is playing whom is suspended. The list is long. Joaquin Phoenix put on Johnny Cash. Jamie Foxx put on Ray Charles. Heath Ledger put on the Joker. Angela Bassett put on Tina Turner. And Selma Hayek put on Frida Kahlo. Daniel Day-Lewis 
so immersed himself in becoming like Christy Brown in my left foot that he never broke character, never. He spent eight weeks at a cerebral palsy clinic in Dublin researching the role, and he remained in a wheelchair throughout the shooting process. He was being fed by members of the crew off camera while on the set. To believably play rock star Jackson Maine, Bradley Cooper, easy ladies, Bradley Cooper felt like he had to really transform, saying that he knew that he couldn't play himself. He had to change everything. With the inspiration of actor Sam Elliott, Cooper hired a dialect coach, and he says, a year before we shot the movie, we were working five days a week, four hours a day on exercises lowering my voice. It was brutal, and it took months and months and months. In their efforts to portray a real knowing of their characters and the stories they'd been cast, these actors stepped deeply into their subjects' identities, totally immersing themselves through weeks, months, maybe years of grueling preparation, research, study, review, interview, transformation. They were learning the crafts, the idiosyncrasies, the mannerisms of the characters they were portraying, attempting to live out on screen the very essence of their character's identity. When the role was accomplished, the story fulfilled, they didn't have to think twice about taking off who they put on. Now, those of you who know me and have known me through the years know that I've put on many a character. Many times a student, banker, military officer, server, flight attendant, bricklayer, etc., etc. And with the exception of those roles that seemed to speak to the essence that God was placing within me, teacher, worshiper, pastor, son, husband, all the others were just roles. That at the end of the day, the only reason I struggled to take them off was all about the Benjamins. We become who we are in response to culture, beliefs, understanding, circumstances, and expectations. And especially for we followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, there's the roles we play. Mom, dad, friend, student, employee, employer. And then there's our identity, who we are. And when we talk about identity, we're talking about the distinguishing character of, of a person, the fact of being who or what a person or thing is, the essence, the qualities, the beliefs, the personality, the looks, the mannerisms, expressions that make a person or a group. Being disciples of Christ, peculiar people of the kingdom, a royal priesthood of believers means that our identity must be tied to the kingdom. And the Christ that we put on in order to possess that identity must never be taken off. The satisfaction of the story, accomplishment of the mission, requires that we dare not step out of Christ. Method actors immerse, then shed. In the roles we play, the grind of that 
from time to time causes us to want to take off those faces. But in our identification as believers in Christ, we have a responsibility to own his essence, to be so immersed in him that to remove him, even if only for a moment at a matter of circumstance, to remove him is to put back on who we're not intended to be. And unlike the method actor or the role player, shedding the identity of Christ for any reason should absolutely cause the disciple of Christ to think twice. Romans 13, 11 through 14 instructs us to put on the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture places again the necessity of our owning his story, answering the questions regarding hope, passion, and victory into a proper perspective. Why does he invite us to be his people and he our God? Why is putting on his presence so crucial? Why wrapping ourselves in his essence is so vital? Ultimately, it is why as a manifestation of him, a people being made in his image, we must completely commit to the urgent mission of rescuing others, redefining systems, influencing institutions, exchanging earth for heaven. And we, within, being made different by him, are called to a posture that seeks to make right things on behalf of the other versus being mass consumers for ourselves. God creates, communicates to us in the scripture that creation in its ignorance cannot afford for the people of God to miss what God is doing and our place in it. As it reads, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing because God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work that he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence in sleeping around and descending into drunkenness and bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed. And get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Putting on the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ informs us that to lay him down, take him off, toss him aside, is to slip into that lukewarm, double-minded schizophrenia of our flesh. But to impact the narrative of who do men say we are, to answer those questions about hope, passion, and victory, to be able, and this is the the utmost importance, but to be able to satisfactorily answer the Christ should he ask who we are, requires that we surrender to yes, to being couriers of his love and presence with each new day, wherever and in the midst of whomever we may be present because our God is not a respecter of persons and to achieve his mission, we should never undress ourselves for any man or woman 
who stands in the way of our fulfilling the Father's expectations. Look at someone and say, don't take him off. Look at someone and say, don't take him off. So what are we putting on? What is this essence, this identity? 1 John 4, 7 and 4, 8 tells us that love is God. Love is of God and that God is love. So at a minimum, we are putting on love. And contrary to the world's reframing, love is far from soft or passive. It does not make you a chump to love. What love is and how it compels us, compels him, is ultimately how love should compel those of us who put him on. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love suffers long and is kind. Again, it's not being soft. At the midpoint of this scripture, we find that love requires a nuance that does not sacrifice relationships. And near the end of the text, we're told that love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Meaning that in the face of what God deems, what God deems is contrary to himself, true love in love stands on behalf of the other and speaks against evil, against sin, against injustice. But only by putting him on and growing into a mature knowing of him can we offer these kinds, his kind of love, which is gentle and it is just and it is everything in between. Secondly, what we are putting on is that which burdens the father's heart to urgency. And I would also offer that these things, when they become our burdens, get the enemy all twisted up and working to distract us from God's priorities. I don't have time to break these scriptures down, but I want you to be drawn to the aroma of the father's burden, the focus of his heart, the thing he is saying, I believe, when you awaken and put me on, consider these things. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord, God, the master is on me because God anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of his grace and to comfort all who mourn, to care for those, to care for the needs of those who mourn in Zion, to give them messages of joy instead of news of doom. For I, the Lord, love justice. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Do what is right to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, absent of putting on his spiritual presence, these burdens would not be a priority for the natural man. But imagine 
the hand who confesses Christ, putting him on and led by his spirit, using all of who you are, your intellect, your position, your resources, your influence to engage within and beyond these walls. Then men see who the church is because you put him on. Then men see that God is alive because you put him on. Then men see the grace of God the Father offers for us because we put him on. Because the Father finds our offering pleasing to him because we put him on. The narrative will shift. Hope, passion, and victory are rightly offered, pursued, and understood. True love will speak and he is glorified because you and I put him on. And we have to understand this, Crossroads, that to take him off is either an act of fear or selfish ambition. So let's understand, the scriptures are calling us beyond ourselves and to a God-defined identity, a constant and active love of the other. The scripture is challenging Jesus' people to awaken to our place in the God story and the urgency of our making priority of being aware of and participating in what God is doing. Let's understand that this is a spiritual putting on that results in a maturing from the inside that transforms our ideas of who we are and our purpose. This putting on begins, according to Galatians 3, 26, 27, at the moment of our belief in him and in baptism. The scripture reads, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And then, like the need for our continued asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us for right living in the mission of the day, we are called to actively pursue being dressed in him. Colossians 3.10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Now, the word renewed in Colossians 3.10 means to be made different. And the idea of learning to know your creator as you mature into a proper knowledge of God. So if we reread Colossians 3.10, put on your new nature and be made different as you mature into a proper knowledge of God. Because Crossroads... Without a proper knowledge of God, we cannot be like him. Without a proper knowledge of God, we cannot offer a proper knowledge. Without a proper knowledge of God, we may be well-intentioned, but we can still miss being the best representation of him. Without the proper knowledge of God, the love we offer can still be the wrong love. The wisdom we offer can be misplaced. The truth we offer can be empty and the task we undertake not so fruitful. And this is why we put him on and we keep him on. So how do we do this? Accept him as savior. Turn away from your sin. We have all sinned and need rescue. Romans 3. Abide in him. 
remain in him, stay with him, depend on him. John 15, then we can produce God fruit as he remains in us. And this requires praying and listening, getting to know the voice of the father, fasting, studying the scriptures, meditating on the word and responding to him with trusting obedience. And then finally, trusting in him. Proverbs 3, in all our ways, in every endeavor, relationship, ambition, acknowledge and trust him. These are fundamental steps of being a believer in Christ. But this is where the enemy challenges us the most. Because the enemy knows if we practice the fundamentals, victory happens when we practice the fundamentals. It's like basketball. Winners win because they practice the fundamentals. And the enemy will do anything he can to dissuade you from abiding in him, from accepting him as savior, and from trusting his leading. So, where's our work? Within these walls, absolutely. But especially beyond these walls. The images on screen are called the mountains of culture or spheres of influence. These are the systems, the institutions within which we work, live, and associate. The places of decision, influence, and commerce driving the world's narratives. And it is in these places that you, positioned, employed, situated, are called to be couriers of his presence. Now, it's not necessarily a call to evangelism. It's not necessarily a call to theocracy. But sometimes the Christ simply needs you to be an expression of his presence, of his truth, of his power, a point of compassion, an oak of righteousness. Francis of Assisi, the great saint, said, it is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I think we can be inspired by our young. Meet me at the pole. Familiar with that? What if grown folks who put on Jesus met at the pole? Met in the halls of justice, in the boardrooms, in the classrooms, in the newsrooms, in the coffee houses, in the government spaces? What if we put on Jesus in places where we have to be creative, think outside of the box, because when they say no, we need to ask him how. I'm sorry, I couldn't help but think when they go high or we go low or something like that, however that thing goes. But when the world tells us no, our responsibility as couriers of his presence are to ask him how, God, would you have us to be used by you to have your will in those spaces. Closing thought and a challenge. During this season of awards and red carpets, the question they often ask is, so who are you wearing? And in this season for the church of 2019, in the urgency of now, let's not let them wonder who we're wearing. Maybe it's time that we no longer play ourselves but we put him on and allow him to change everything. And so here's the challenge. Start your days audibly saying yes 
to him. Listen and follow. No matter how strange, no matter where he leads, trust, abide, accept. And then you will see in the work that he calls you to, through you, in the world beyond you, beyond these doors, impacted for his glory. The narrative will shift. What hope we offer will be righteous. Our passions will thrive in him and victory will be clear. Each day you remember to say yes. I want to encourage you to go to the Crossroads Facebook page, my Facebook page, Walter Charles, your Facebook page, your Twitter, your Instagram, where your folks, where your circle of influence connects with you. With each day that passes and you say yes, post, hashtag, put on Jesus. Hashtag, put on his presence. Hashtag, I will not shed. Say yes and put him on. Closing, I want to read this prayer that comes from the book of Hebrews to you. And it goes like this. May God who puts all things together, makes all things whole, who made a lasting mark through the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice of blood that sealed the eternal covenant, who led Jesus, our great shepherd, up and alive from the dead. May God now put you together, provide you with everything you need to please him. Make us into what gives him most pleasure by means of the sacrifice of Jesus the Messiah. All glory to Jesus forever and always. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Crossroads, may his mantle be upon you and his heart, the heart that you reflect. Put him on. Don't take him off. In Jesus' name. Thank you.